everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the pilot episode of the High Life Reel. My name is Bill Rom. I'm Josh Shapiro. And this is our special guest, Sam Riva. Hey guys. Uh, he's with us today so that we can go over our main topic of the day called the headliner. So the headliner in today's sports is Italy missing the World Cup for the first time in 60 years. Now Sam is Italian by birth. Uh, he's here studying uh, sports law, uh, trying to prep for a career, and he's also our soccer expert. So we wanted to bring him in so he could talk a little bit about this whole thing. So Sam, what were your first thoughts when you you were watching the game and you recognized what was going to happen? Uh, a disaster. That was an apocalypse. And uh, it's not just as a, as a soccer fan in general. It's just like a nation that comes together, like unifies around, around soccer. And just watching, you know, the game and seeing Italy not, not making it to the World Cup was just like, you know, a slowly disaster that was taking place. And... And again, it's not just like, like I said, like like the failure of the play. It's a failure of a new generation of players that didn't catch up after after the World Cup in 2006, after such a brilliant performance, beating France in the final. You go into the 2010 World Cup, don't make the qualifying stage. And that was already shaky. 2014 in Brazil, and again, over there, the very disappointing performance. And then you have so much expectation on this new team and these new young talents. They are supposed to do so great, and and this happens. They don't even make the, the you know the World Cup, and it's it's just very disappointing, especially against a, an opponent like Sweden that was very beatable. This sounds strangely like what's happening right now with U.S. soccer. Uh, U.S. soccer here in America, obviously, everybody talks about their development, what's going on with the team what people are doing, uh, how we're developing players from a young level all the way up. What are some of the, the underlying issues that Italy had that got them to this point? I feel like as bad as this is for U.S. soccer, it's ten times worse. It, it's, it, 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 as a nation, it feels worse for Italy. Definitely feels worse, uh, especially for the tradition that Italy has. You know, um, I think, like, look, at uh, there's, there's a thing here. There's a current team that is going on. If you look at the failure of France and the failure of Germany back in the days, back in the 90s, what did they do? They realized that something was going on and they're like, okay, now we got to do a radical change at the grassroots level and bring something to the plate that's going to make us step, step up. And they started implementing federal facilities. Uh, in France, there were over like over 300 facilities, okay? And Germany, the same. Uh, facilities, reforms, they ask teams in the, in the Bundesliga, in the, in the uh, second division, to actually have mandatory youth team starting from 12. So every category, 12, 13, mandatory and that, teams. And that doesn't already exist in Italy? It does, but they basically, they, they started a program that forced even more the growth from the bottom. So like, if you, in Italy, the problem is there, there are, everything is in place, it's just, Right now, there is demand for more. There is a demand for more talents. There is a demand for more quality coming from the bottom. Or also for the league itself. If you look at Italy right now, only Juventus in the past four or five years is doing, you know, doing pretty well in Europe. Other than that, Milan, Inter, all these teams are falling off. Josh, did you play soccer? <laughs> a couple of years. Oh. Very good. No? No. 
And I know you obviously played, I did. played a lot of soccer. You I played, played college. College ball. And uh, I played soccer when I was up until probably middle school here. And uh, it, it, it seems like e- we have soccer from the time we're young all the way through. We already have young kids playing soccer. There's tons of people who are playing soccer. Soccer is this massive sport. Yet, we're not getting better at soccer. And, and, and comparably, we're getting worse at soccer. Uh, it's missing a World Cup. Italy missing a World Cup for the first time in 60 years. To, to think you're already putting so much as committed to it, what's the real heart of it? And I, I don't know the answer, and I don't know why. I know here in America it's because the best athletes go to other sports, but I don't know if that's the case in Italy. Uh, in Italy, yeah, definitely it's, it's, it's not the case in, in that sense. Obviously, you know, soccer is the most played sport. Uh, I think, listen, every time you can point a finger at something specific, there's always a, a very, you know, different factors that come into play. Like, if you, if you look at the actual, you know, the coach and his decision in the games, and like, the, so there's a lot of components. There's players, coaches... Uh, again, it, it's really hard to, to put something on. The, the, the real thing is if you, by stats, by looking at the players, by looking at the value of the team, if you take the 2016 with Totti, Del Piero, Pirlo, the quality of those players, it's just not there. And, and why, why do you think that is? It's, I, I, I know, I... I think that the league itself is going down. The okay. Serie A is going, it's going down. Uh, and all these players, like, look at Verratti went to play for PSG. And, like, so many other players are, are going away. They're not playing the Italian league anymore. They're just missing an identity. Okay. The identity of this new generation is, is just not there. I mean, just, it could be like a natural cycle, just like any sport, any dynasty, and eventually has to come down. Yeah. Like, the, the, you know, the New England Patriots are not going to have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for the next 150 years. Yeah. So it's like, eventually we're going to say the Patriots aren't going to win the AFC East. You know, it's just... So do we think that's what this is? Do you think this is maybe just a blip in the road? And there's not. a small period of time where, where, as in America, this seems like this isn't just a blip in the road. Problem. This is a systemic mm-hmm. issue. Do you think this for Italy is more a, a temporary issue with an easier solution? Or do you think that there, there's a lot that needs to be done? I think there's there's a, a lot to be done, but I also think that can be a very you know like an easy fix. Okay. Uh, and again, I keep in mind the example of Germany, the example of France. France didn't qualify in '94, and then after that rebuilding process that took place in the late '80s, beginning of the early '90s, then they were able to make it to the final in '98 and have talents like Henri, Trezeguet. So like to me, if something is in place, if you're forcing like England, like, okay, this is our league, okay, we're going to have mandatory 12 players, 12 English players per team. Okay, something like that, you see, like, you're forcing the Italian talents to be there, the teams to have this player to grow with them, to create an identity. And I think that by doing that in such a short period of time, I'm not saying they're going to be able to, you know, win the World Cup the next round, you know, Mm -hmm. in 2022. I'm not saying that. But at least be competitive again and, and like not put up such a very disappointing performance against Sweden. That's the tough thing though. It's also every four years. So like as a, as you know, any other sport, football, baseball, you're like, all right, we got it next year. Like a rebuilding process, maybe two, three years down the yeah. line. You have to wait four years just like even just like to think about this. It's sitting there for four years waiting like, all right, it's our time to go again. That's tough. And I also think that's why it ends up being so shocking from a developmental standpoint 
is that the same way that once you fail in a, in a regular season, you get to come back the following year and you can compete. In international competition, you can see that you have problems for years, yeah. and you have time to fix them as well. Yeah. And when you're a nation that's w- w- with so many countries that make it into the World Cup, to be a soccer powerhouse like Italy has been in the past, to then ultimately not even make it to the World Cup, that there are all these teams that are better than them currently, it still feels shocking because no matter what, they should have been able to come through. Same with U.S. soccer. Even with all the problems that U.S. soccer has, with a nation that has 400 million people and has all the resources that we have from a sports standpoint, we should be able to compete and at least make it into the World Cup. Maybe we get knocked out early. Maybe we don't advance very far. But to not even make it, to me, is is, is rough. But... um. Our next segment that we'll be moving into, and we appreciate Sam's insight and his unique perspective on that, uh, is Between the Lines. So Between the Lines is our brand new segment that we're trying to put together that talks about everything that happened on the field. We're going to talk about a lot of off-the-field stuff and some things there, but we want to talk about some performances and and some stuff that actually happened on the field. The first one takes us to the NBA, uh, where we'll be talking a little bit about Lonzo Ball and his first triple-double. He is the youngest player in the history of the NBA to achieve a triple-double. Uh, it felt quiet. It, it, he, he got it, he accumulated it, but it, it, it feels like it wasn't like, wow. Yeah, he's, he, honestly, he's, his dad may be a big mouth. He's a quiet guy in terms yeah. of like on the field. He doesn't talk much. And I actually really liked what he said after the game. He was like, listen, this doesn't mean anything we lost. And for me, that's like, a, you know, that's humble. I mean, I know that's what you're told to say, but... That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. Nothing, no questions asked. Didn't mention one thing about his triple double. It was, "Hey, we lost the game, and that's that's what matters here." So, for him to do that, I mean, that shows he's really a good teammate. And, you know, that his father really isn't that much of an influence on him. You know, in terms of his personality wise. But I mean, it was kind of quiet. Social media wasn't very quiet, of course. You know, that's how yeah. social media is. You know, he you know took LeBron by a couple of days. Um, so I mean, you know, it was a great performance. But well, know, how how do you compare it to LeBron's? You know, to think that he achieved it at a younger age than LeBron, do we think that's a function of him being that good of a player, being on the track of being a LeBron-type player? Or is it more just the circumstance and what he needs to do? Because he doesn't really score. I mean, if you guys have watched him take his jump shots, uh, he's got a funky shot. And uh, scoring points is going to be the thing that he has the biggest difficulty with. And he's contributing in other ways because he, he he's a good passer. He's been a great passer when he was at UCLA. He looked great there. Uh, he's coming to the league. He has some people there who can score around him. Uh, Kuzma can score. Uh, Ingram is a is a good player that's underrated. Uh, you have a, a, a Brook Lopez who has the ability to get him easy buckets in the paint. Is this something that we should expect of Ball as a player, or do we think it just was an anomaly? I, I don't think it's an it's an anomaly. He obviously he put it up at UCLA as well. Like it, there's there's a certain like trend that it's going on. Like you see it, the guy can rebound. The guy can also play defense. He can block. He's quick with his feet. Like he's he's not bad, honestly. And like he was saying, he does it in a very quiet way. Like you don't notice, and then you look at the stat sheet at the end. He's like, oh wow, that's a triple double, you know? Yeah. And to me, what it really stands out about Lonzo is. Passing, like literally, his passing yeah. skills are yeah. amazing yeah. and amazing. And he, he finds the teammates, and it can be an open court, it can be you know, in a fast break point, and like, or like simply like on a nice pick and roll, it just finds 
So I think we'll see more from Lonzo. And if he can work on the shot, which I think is the biggest problem right now, that he's shooting like very low percentages. But again, it's okay. Because if you look at Nash, he was he was still yeah. he was yeah. pretty much uh, when but he's getting to the league the same. Those numbers. guys are fun to watch because now all, all NBA's come is dunks and three pointers. So it's kind of fun to watch somebody that's coming in, you know, putting pads behind, you know, just doing different things that we haven't seen in a while, and just kind of spicing the game back up and doing it his own flair. I mean, he's like the talk of the town, you know, just yeah. just because of what everything that's come with him. Our next story takes us to the NFL, and this was uh, this was my choice for the day. Uh, and I really wanted to talk about it. It's Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Marquise is a very interesting player in the NFL. Uh, he was a world-class uh, track athlete in college. He has tried to convert those skills to the NFL, and he's had some amazing, huge breakout plays, and, and he, he switched from the Buffalo Bills over to the 49ers this year. And sadly, the other day, uh, he lost his, his newborn son. Uh, he, he was asked by his wife to go out and play, you know, to, to, to play in the game. And he had a, he had only one catch in the game, but it was for 83 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And you watch him get into the end zone and just collapse to the ground. And it was such an awesome thing uh, to, to watch the, the emotion and the love and how the, the football was an opportunity for him to kind of heal and be himself and to do something. And, we, we get caught up in so much of the other drama that goes on in sports. We talk about this and these superficial things. To watch somebody take some true hurt with them out on the field and to show up like that, to me, was, was one of the coolest stories of the weekend. And uh, Marquise Goodwin, man, uh, awesome. And, and, and we feel for him and we feel for, for his family, but amazing play. There's so many things in sports like that. Um, I, this is a quick little – I remember – uh, Lorenzo, uh, Lorenzo in on the uh, Reds, pitcher, mm-hmm. pitcher, right? Lost his father, first plate appearance, first pitch he saw, home, home run. run. Yeah. Like, a pitcher, first career home run, you know, you come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. stuff like that is yeah. just, this is why we, this is why, this is why sports is yeah. what it is. It's, it's part of it's your lifestyle. Yeah. Even for people, even for fans that are watching, you know, someone's relating to Marquise Goodwin, and maybe they lost somebody close yeah. to them that day or that weekend. And to and see they somebody overcome it. They watch right? it. Yeah. It makes it so that you feel like, mm-hmm. okay, I can overcome it. There's hope. There's yeah. always hope. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's what sports is, is cool. And so, uh, that one means more you know, than anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. On a, on a lighter note inside the NFL, uh, player of, of the week and, and huge thing, another former Buffalo Bill, uh, Robert Woods, eight catches, 171 <laughs> yards, and two touchdowns. Robert Woods is on pace to have a, a near Pro Bowl year after being a second option for the Buffalo Bills for years behind Sammy Watkins. They're both now Rams. The Rams are putting up crazy points every week, and Robert Woods has been a big reason why. They talk about some of the you know Cooper Cup. You talk about Sammy Watkins. You said you talk about Gurley, but Robert Woods is is being forgotten. And when you look at his stats, he might be having the biggest season of of any offensive player not named Goff uh, on the Rams. So yeah. what, what do you guys think of that this week? I mean, it's interesting to see somebody, again, like a, a second option that's coming up. And it's all about opportunity, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like these younger teams, you know, the Rams, no one was really expecting this to this degree. And yeah. I, I, it's fun to watch for me. I have Curly on my fantasy team, so he's been fun for me. But like Goff, you know, at least, you know, he's performing. 
um, and Woods to just show up. And, you know, it's opportunity. That's it. Sometimes those guys just need that opportunity, you know, and you run with it. You know, not every, you know, not everybody's going to run with it, but he is. It's, it's amazing to me, the NFL now, that quarterbacks, to me, are the most overrated position now in the NFL. <laughs> Because you've had guys who are third-round picks come in and, and, and chuck it all over the place. you got the New York Jets have Josh McCown making them look good. And the NFL rules have opened up the passing game, but I think that's also made it easier for quarterbacks to be successful. And you still have the great quarterbacks who show up all the time and do big things. But whether it's Deshaun Watson you know, throwing it all over the place, now Goff, Carson Wentz, uh, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. Uh, Tyrod Taylor being able to go from a career backup to being a three-year starter and, and putting up solid numbers. It, it, to me, more and more, it's, it's easier for a quarterback to shine. But for wide receivers, it, it's now giving guys who may have been second, third options an opportunity to, to get more reps, get more passes, get more throws, and really display and develop more than they maybe had in the past. Yeah. Where at the same time, you have a guy like Amari Cooper who's having – a horrible season by by what was expected of him. Uh, to to really, he has one game where he had two hundred plus yards, and everything else has been mediocre at best. And then to see a guy like Robert Woods, who you don't expect, consistently show up every week. I think uh, the NFL should be celebrating those guys, those more than just trying to make <laughs> one or two stars. I think NFL has been declining in viewership, and I think it's because. You're not celebrating everybody as much. You're not giving everyone an opportunity to be a voice. You're taking the quarterbacks, and you're making a quarterback league. Odell's found a way of making some off-field celebrity, and I think more players should be going in Odell's route. And I think Robert Woods and some of these guys should take this opportunity to kind of to put themselves out there. Yeah. And it's cool to see them have something like that. Uh, last, last part between the lines. Uh, big game the other day. Uh, LeBron James in New York playing against the New York Knicks. Uh, Cavs are down 23 points. I know Sam's hurting right now because I was watching him tweet about the game in real time. Uh, Afterwards, they make the comeback. LeBron wins. Uh, He claims himself the king of New York. uh, And the Knicks have not been happy about that. No, not at all. Anus Cantor has come from a trade to getting in LeBron's face. Frank Nielakina... shoving LeBron James at 19 years old, pushing the, the, the legend of his era, just being like, get off me. Is, is, is LeBron, in the later aspects of his career, becoming a villain? Uh, let me start with one thing, by the way. I love it, okay? okay. These Knicks have an identity, finally. Okay. They have the New York grip. Yeah. So, first I want to throw that out there, because you don't see that from the Knicks. Stepping up, Canted, like you said, just traded to go there and and tell LeBron, we have a king. You're not going to punk us. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Yeah. But going back to your question, is LeBron being a villain? I think there's a little bit of saltiness over there, with especially with Phil Jackson. What, what, is, what is going on? Tons of saltiness that he's not letting go. I mean, Phil Jackson's not even on the team. And he's talking about Neil Aquina and saying, hey, I, uh, they, they should have drafted Dennis Smith Jr., to, to me, if you look at the, the Knicks when they're winning, Neil is on the floor. You look at the Mavs, they can't win games. So would I rather have a guy who's scoring a lot of points, doing a lot of things that way, or would I rather win games? I'm yeah. of the mind I'd rather win games. And with Kristaps Porzingis and Neil Aquina out on the floor, as of a few days ago, 
The, the Knicks were outscoring their – they were scoring 131 points per game off pace, uh-huh. and they were only letting up 86. So they're plus 56 in terms of that spread between when they're on the floor uh, per 100 possessions. How do the Knicks not play a guy like that when he's doing that? And LeBron to come out and say it, again, it, it's showing his it, it's showing mm-hmm. his heart, you know? He, yes. he's, he's a little too opened up. He's, he's on social media talking about his feelings and these things, and he's worried about what everybody's saying about him, and he's, he's not just being great anymore. Yeah, to me, it's like he's almost gotten to – well, to me, it's like he doesn't really care anymore, too. He's done so much that he's just like, listen, I'm going to be a scout and tell people how to draft, and I'm just going to – like, I don't really think he cares anymore. He's done so much that he's just kind of like, I'm just going to do what I want and have my personality out there, and that made it to be his personality – you know, it is what it is. I don't think he cares. I just don't think he cares. He's so great that there's nothing I, that can... I think him. that... I think, like... I don't know. I think, it like... The way he came out about it, it's, like, just really, like, not appropriate. Not a LeBron thing. Yeah. Like, we didn't see him in the past. Like, like just getting the ball off the court and then just bumping the, you know, Frank and be like, you know... Like, why? Why? Like, and, and then staring at him and, like, and just starting to... I think you're, it's... You're LeBron James and you feel the need to do to bump... Frank Nilakina, like he's somebody, instead of just not paying attention to the kid. Yeah. Like, you're so involved with what's going on with the Knicks. And let's be real, LeBron, when you had the chance to go to New York, you shied away from it. You went to South Beach. If you wanted to be the king of New York, he could have been. He went away from it because the pressure was too big. Now, Carmelo came because he said, I'll eat the pressure. And he had to end up leaving. And then the Knicks have had some success. But being in New York is tough, and I don't yeah. think LeBron, if you see the way that he is dealing with social media pressures and news pressures and people wanting to leave him and Kyrie and all this stuff, I don't think LeBron would have been able to last as long as Carmelo even did in New York. And it's showing now. He's got very thin skin. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to act like he doesn't, or maybe he's just been worn down over his career at this point. That's what I'm, that's what but I'm uh, I think he cares too much. I don't think it's that he doesn't care. I think it's like that he cares too much. Um, but interesting LeBron James stuff going on. Uh, hey, guys, our next segment, you guys are going to get a taste of what we have right now. Uh, moments of greatness. So moments of greatness is an opportunity for us to show what you guys are doing out there in the world. We know all the guys who are out here dunking basketballs, hitting home runs, and throwing 105 miles an hour. But we want to see what you guys are able to do. And it doesn't matter what sport you have. Whether you're playing Ultimate Frisbee, you're playing European Handball, uh, you just do something cool in general that requires you to be athletic. Uh, send it in. You can follow us on uh, Mo- Moments, Moments of Greatness. Moments OG. Moments OG on Instagram. Uh, fans submit any videos. We'll share them there, but you got a chance to be in here. So right now, you guys are going to get a chance to follow along with some of the best ones that we've received over the last week. But remember to send them in to us so that we can show them on the show every week. The last thing that we have is the finisher. So the finisher is going to be the way that we end every show every week. We want to talk about one topic. We want to talk about one thing that is our outro. The, the last thing, we're going to leave you guys with the opportunity to comment in the comment section and give us what you think about the finisher and what you would have done. So uh, UCLA had a bunch of players led by a member of the Ball family who supposedly stole some sunglasses. And 
the reason why it was a big deal was the value of the sunglasses would have, would have made it a felony crime in the United States. Uh, so it would have been a felony. You did it internationally while representing both your college and your country. What do you both think should be the punishment for these players when they get home and back to UCLA? Definitely suspended for the season. It's a federal. That's a federal crime back home. You, you know, with with all the international, you know, you just not we're not getting political. All, you know, everything's shaking. You know, internationalized. Like you know, politically looking correct. This doesn't help the look of the you know the Ameri- United States of America. It just doesn't look good. And a, what are you doing stealing sunglasses when you're part of the ball family and you have your big baller brand and you're making a, a lot more money than the guy? You know, I want to. I want to wait to find out. I don't know if he was in the store with them. And somebody on the Listen, team you're guilty of association. Again, hundred percent guilty by association. But at the same time, if I walk into a store with you three, and one of you guys steals a pair of Louis Vuittons, and I was with you, right? We're all getting arrested yeah. for what mm-hmm. you did. But I didn't know that you did what you did necessarily. So before I cast complete blame, I want to find out what happened. Sam, do you think they should have a season-long suspension? Do you think that they should have? Any suspension? Do you think they've already served time? Uh, I, I wouldn't go too drastic on their season suspension. Again, you also have got to remember that these these kids are in college. You know, like mm-hmm. again, we all make stupid mistakes once in a while. You know, and I get, and and I'm not trying to like justify what they did. It's wrong. Okay, absolutely, I, I agree. And it was stupid move, and it's okay, but not not a season long suspension. I think so. I think that at least they. They should have, like, you know, definitely a suspension. Definitely, you know, the college do something to prevent something like this to happen again. And especially because they're going away. They're going in China. They're giving these guys the opportunity to play internationally. Not something that a lot of guys can. So when you go out there, you got to be able to represent it. So I don't know, maybe a little bit of, like, programs and training, like a little bit more of, like, education around, like, what you're representing, who you are. Like, and, again... They got lucky over there in China because they don't mess around. So yeah. Yeah, they don't. honestly, it went you know it went the right way at the end, but they, they the risk was a lot. I, I think that that's the bigger thing is that to to have them be international playing for their school and to not have the wherewithal to think this is a crime internationally that we could get in trouble for and we could have issues and we can be detained. To to think, hey, this is the right move. Uh, to me, didn't show that they were they were thinking. They, yeah. they got too mm-hmm. hyped up in the moment. But beyond that, I don't think that I would want to. If if you said a kid stole something here in in the U.S., right? Uh, how how many games would he be suspended, right? I, I, and I get yeah. that it's international. It's the, the value though. It's the value of something. Well, if he right, stole a car, if he, if he stole <laughs> if he stole an eleven hundred dollar pair of sunglasses on Rodeo Drive in California. Right, that's you would have gotten arrested and you would have gotten suspended. I don't think you would have gotten a year long suspension, and I don't think that they would have gotten. Yeah. And I don't think they would have gotten their scholarships taken away. Because I'm hearing some people talking about their scholarships may be rescinded. That's too. They might get a whole season suspension. You also have to remember when you're thinking about stuff that these guys are trying to put on display their talents to ultimately make it to the NBA for some of them, and. This is already going to impact them tremendously in terms of draft stock and who they are as people. Are they going to do the right thing when they go up? But they are kids, and I think it's a teaching moment. If it were me, I would suspend them for something in the ballpark of 10 games. 
I would have them do that. I also think I'd have them have to do some type of mandatory community service where they get out and they talk to kids and people who might have, maybe a kid got juvenile hall because they stole something. Go talk about their mistakes and the things that they have going on and their repercussions and get out in front of this to, to be advocates for doing the right thing. Yep. Um, you have so many Absolutely. opportunities when you have a full scholarship to go to college that, especially at UCLA, that most people will not have. Don't do something like that for a luxury item. Right? I know we work with athletes and we have stuff where an athlete has stolen a loaf of bread before because they didn't have the money to buy food. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a very stark contrast between Stealing for necessity because of circumstances of your family and things, and how we would look at that, and you wanting to have an expensive pair of sunglasses. Yep. For sure. So, everybody, again, comment in the section, what do you think should happen to the players at UCLA? Uh, What do you think is justified? What do you think is not justified? And again, thank you guys so much for checking out our very first episode of the High Life Reel. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, guys, awesome first episode. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Take care, and we will see you guys next week on the High Life Reel.